My name is Ronika Jacobs and you found my podcast, Strive for More, Your Best Life Now. While there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, you've taken the time out to listen to this one. So for that, I would like to say thank you. So without any further delay, let's get to it. Let's strive for more. My next guest, Zen Bond JPC, is helping people strive for more in the area of meditation and mindfulness. Jacques Pierre is a Zen Buddhist monk of the Bond tradition. He was a former military officer as well as a policeman. He enjoys creating opportunities to help people heal. His meditation school is committed to helping people who suffer from various mental health illnesses. In this episode, he will share his own struggles with mental health and how meditation and mindfulness has helped him lead a life full of laughter and happiness. Hi, Jacques-Pierre. Welcome. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. How are you doing? I am doing spectacular. Thank you for having me on your show. So excited to be on Strive for More. So this is great for me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm equally excited. So how's everything going at the meditation school since you had to switch everything virtually? Yeah, you know what? It's It's been great. It's been, you know, one of the things that I prided myself on and probably with my Buddhist tradition is being very fluid. And so when COVID happened, you know, everyone had to make adjustments, but it's a matter of acceptance, doing what's next. And so school is going great. Students are about to graduate in about a month. So I'm excited. I feel like a proud papa or something as I've groomed <laughs> these individuals to really grow and go out into the world and teach and share what mindfulness and meditation can do for people. Ah, oh, that's really awesome. Talk about the ultimate form of commitment to your faith. <laughs> so becoming, <laughs> yes. becoming a monk, right? So how did you mm-hmm. decide to transition you know, you're a police officer, you're in the military, which is some pretty heavy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah. a lot of action going on in, the, in, in those fields. So how did you decide to transition to become a monk? You know, I think one of the things is I was raised Baptist. And so I was raised in the Baptist church. And for me, I've always seeked just knowledge, just wanted to learn more, grow more. And... When I went into the military, there was just the things that I was doing in the military, I just had a little bit of inner turmoil. And I got out of the military, it continued when I became a cop. Now, I didn't, I didn't want to become a cop, but at the time, like sometimes a lot of people get into points of life, I needed a steady paycheck. So I applied for the fire department, 
in the police department, and the police called me first. Uh, partly, right. Got it. I know, I know they, I know they needed minorities, so I was kind of a shoe in. So, so um, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like, hey, we need, we need you. So, uh, and I don't. I went to the academy, and I was on the streets. I worked all nights, and inside, though, there was still just this turmoil of who am I? What's my place? I saw a lot of gray in the activities I was doing when I was arresting people, I was fighting, I was stabbed. I mean, all these sorts of things that I got to see this harsh side of humanity. But yet there was still a portion inside of me that was very forgiving and still sought the beautiful things in life. Uh, and so my, I quit the police department because I just couldn't, I started to lose who I was. I was getting really desensitized to emotions and people, and and I didn't want to go down that hole. Uh, so I got out of the military. Or sorry, stopped becoming a police officer. I met my mentor. My mentor was a Tibetan monk. However, he practiced a bone tradition, what I practice now. And for approximately ten years, I followed followed him, not literally. Uh, as far as physically everywhere he went, but I followed his teachings. He, you know, in some various times we met up throughout the year, different times we'd go on different retreats. We'd be, you know, meditating in silent, you know, silent retreats for a week. And, and I can tell you that in that silence, I started to really shed all the stuff that we're told or we're groomed with or we grow up with, that you're supposed to be this and you're supposed to be this. And I found me and once I found that and started to remove the obstacles and I I started to discover this connectivity to people and to my happiness and to my self and to really just appreciating every moment of each day and every day and it became more and more until eventually unfortunately kind of I was kind of kicked out of the, the nest meaning that he ordained me as a monk. I didn't go into the Zen bone tradition to become a monk. I went into the Zen bone tradition to find and connect and be the best version of myself. And then in that, the outcome of that is I was you know, uh, ordained as a monk and to the hope for him, for me, was to teach and pass along the knowledge. As far as my way of connecting with people, he saw that I would be a wonderful teacher and wonderful patience and a lot of guidance for people without just telling them what to do, but helping them find the answers for themselves. And so that's, that's kind of the short version of how I became a monk. Wow. You know, I, trying to become the, be, the best version of yourself, amazingly, <laughs> it's a difficult thing to do. It seems so simple mm-hmm. in theory, right? But in practice, it is very difficult. Now, I want to talk about mental illness and especially Mm -hmm. mental illness in young people because most times a lot of people don't talk about mental illness for young people. And you battled mental illness since you were young, a young age. Correct. Yep. So can you share with the listeners a little of your story? Yeah, yeah. And this is... This is something I I love to share because I I hope that 
your listeners are really digging into this portion of what I'm about to talk about to understand that there can be that light at the end. It does take work. So my father was physically abusive and sexually abusive as well. And then that is when the emotions of trying to process that as a young child threw me into just a, a dark, dark area. So my, unfortunately, my first attempt at suicide was when I was nine. So from there was hospitalizations, uh, battles with my father. My father died in a car accident when I was 13, which is a vital age for a young male. And then from there, I was just lost. So I was a person who was happy on the outside and would you know, show that to everyone else, but deep inside, every day I was just dying a little bit more. And, you know, I think uh, depression and going through those emotions is defined as many different things for people. I think some people have called it an icy cold pit, you know, and I just felt like someone was just standing on my chest and just not letting me up for air. That's how my depression felt for me. Uh, I was diagnosed bipolar. Um, I was it was misunderstood at that time as far as my mother because I didn't stick with medication very long. I think it's just she was a single working parent, working as hard as she could, providing food, what we did necessities, and it was just hard to wrap her head around a son who frequently wanted to kill himself. Uh, now, this hatred grew. Uh, to just a complete hate for who I was. And um, my last attempt, you know, stopped my heart. Uh, Fortunately, I was defibrillated, heart started again, and at that point, I made a decision that I was going to try to learn how to be happy. So... In that process, I had to let go of what my ego, my pride, and actually think I knew how to cope with feelings or emotion or depression. I had to just say, you know what? I don't know how to be a happy human, period. I don't know how to cope with depression. or I don't know how. So I need to start from the bottom. And starting from the bottom was just trying to say, I like, which eventually became, I like this. I like this about myself, and that's where it began. Course therapy, you know, talking with many people who were ahead of me as far as their happiness and how they process life. And just I would sit in the park and just observe people just to see how they reacted to each other. And and that's how slowly I climbed out of this pit of despair. And I tell people that, you know, that was 10, 12 years in the making to get to that point where I had my last suicide attempt. And, you know, for me, I look at it as, you know, like you dig six feet down, it takes six feet to get out. So for me, it took 10 years to get there to that point. So it was, I knew it was going to take another 10 years for me to get to a point where finally I felt released from that. Yeah. And I'm diagnosed bipolar. I haven't taken medication in, Uh, 15 years. That's not because I'm opposed to medication. That's because I am a big believer 
and not for everyone in every situation, but for some people, you can get to a point where you can process and train and rewire, you know, your brain to just as much as your brain was wired to fill negativity, we can fill it up with positivity as well. It just takes time and hard work. Not many people want to do that hard work. I mean, a dedication to yourself, a dedication to the art of living, it is just like you said a few moments ago, it is hard to become the best version or at least try. I mean, we'll always work on that, but we at least want to try. So but that was, that was uh, you know, I appreciate every day I wake. Every day I wake up, it's a good day, right? Because not everyone made it through the night. And I know what it feels like. And I can remember, I mean, it's still in the cells of my body. I remember what it's like to really hate who I was. So every day I wake up, no matter what's going on, COVID, oh, hey, I'm alive, I'm breathing. This is another day for me to, show compassion, show love, accomplish what I want to try to accomplish, and then tomorrow I'll wake up and repeat. Keep learning, you know, show kindness to everyone wow. I can, understand, listen. Uh, that's, you know, that experience is what created who I am now. That's, that's wonderful. And I'm glad to know that you have found a way out one of the things that often concerns me as an educator is often when I see boys, young boys, young men, mm-hmm. you know, and oftentimes they they seem so angry or, you know, active or sometimes even disconnected. And right. they are disengaged, right, in, in mm-hmm. school. And so then automatically we label, um, we try, we, we shouldn't, but automatically most times, you know, they're labeled as, oh, you know, they're behavior problems or they right. are, you know, they just, they can't learn, you know, and there's all types of labels that are, that are placed on boys. And I mean, specifically, unfortunately, minority boys, but, and oftentimes I've found it's not just minority boys, sometimes it's all boys, uh, you know, and it's sad because the one thing we ever think about is that you know, maybe they really are suffering through some type of either mental illness or some type of despair is going on or, you know, right. some type of disparaging activity or something that's causing them to suffer is going on in their life. What can you say, you know, to people who are mentors of young men or educators of young men to to help them, you know, see boys who are struggling struggling differently, you know, and not automatically rush to label them as something negative. Yeah, you know, when, one, I mean, I think the biggest part and what you do very well with your, you know, I'm sure what you're guessing your show is one thing is listening. But, you know, when I say listening, I don't just mean listening to the words that are coming out of someone's mouth. It goes beyond that. You know, when we truly listen to people, we can take in beyond their words, right, to not only hear what they say but feel what they mean, right, and then to try to – we don't have to totally understand to be able to help, so that's one thing. But sometimes we do relate and understand that the suffering can manifest its way in so many different ways. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's violence. 
maybe it's you know um, it's rude behavior or a number of things. It comes from somewhere, somewhere, and it's just have the the patience and to be open to reach that individual and not just think that hey this works for everyone, but sometimes we have to change up what we do to reach that individual to find where that where that suffering began and then help them process that through. One, one other thing to add to this, and I know it sounds very uh, generic as far as sometimes when you know individuals have different individual problems, but one thing I tell people when you're working with youth is be truthful up front. I don't think anyone, even young individuals, think that you have the answers for everything and you don't have to. It's okay to say, I don't know, but I'm going to be here for you. You know, it's, it's, those things are okay. I don't think we have to always have the answers in that moment, but it's more that I'm going to be here to help you find those. And I think that type of support, because, you know, when people are, Going through these kind of things, it's a, it's, you feel alone. You feel alone. You feel like a burden. You feel maybe people are going to judge you. And you've had people say things like, it's going to be okay, and it's not. I think it's all right to say, hey, it's going to be a hard road, but it, we, it, we can get there, and it can be okay. But just to say, hey, it's going to be all right, is it? We don't know that. And when someone hears that over and over and it's not, how can you trust that? No, really. And, you know, the, another thing that I want to ask you about is, as a man, you know, the, the challenge of masculinity is that you have to, you know, have your game face on and you mm-hmm. have to, um, you know, you have this in, supposedly this incredible amount of testosterone so you can just, right. you're strong and you can handle it all. And, you know, you're not supposed to have those weak moments. So what would you say was the biggest help towards getting to the place where you are now, whereas back then you realized, you know what, I need some help? Because, right, that's, that's mm-hmm. not a masculine thing. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not, right. you know, you're supposed to just handle it and you figure it out on your own. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that it seems like that's a sign of weakness is, is when, as a man, you're, you're having to ask for help. So what would you say was yeah. the biggest factor or, you know, the biggest thing that was present for you to help you get to the place where you are now? Yeah. So looking at stepping outside of myself and looking at it with eyes of logic, I had to look and, and what was the common denominator was me and everything that I was doing was not working. And to continue to try to think that I could do it by myself, I was fooling myself, right? And, you know, it was the awakening to understand that in the end, right, we don't know when that's going to be, you know, everything is impermanent. We know that our lives will cease to exist at some point. It doesn't matter what anyone says or anyone thinks it matters what you think about you. And then, so understanding that, hey, what I have been, what I have processed, you know, what I've been taught, what society is saying, 
it it's not helping me heal. And the more I just dig into that that message, the more I got away from healing. So when I thought like, you know what? I what I do doesn't work. I have to figure I have to align myself with people who are happier. And the funny thing is we do it all the time, right? If uh, I don't know how to fix cars. I mean, I know the basics, but I, I can't like just trans, you know, transmission or something. I go to an expert who knows how to do that, right? So I can't, I can't assume that I just know how to be happy. I need to go to someone else who knows how to be happy, right? And that was one of the things that helped me is understanding that I don't know, and that's okay. I wasn't. I didn't develop these coping skills. And unfortunately, my father didn't teach me these coping skills. And to think that somehow I'm just like this, you know, figured out on my own, I'm this bad person, it only uh, perpetuates my pain instead of solve the problem. So I guess coming back around, it was basically looking at what I do doesn't work. And there was, you know, there was no denying it. I could be like, no, I did it. Doesn't work. The way I thought doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, I have to let go of that ego because it was ego keeping me from going to people for help. Ego. Yeah. Wow. That ego thing. <laughs> that ego person yeah. <laughs> that we yeah. all have in us. Yeah. I, he he or she can really mess us up. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I love that you, you talked about going to someone um, who knows how to do a particular skill or who has a talent in a certain area mm-hmm. to help, help us. And, you know, it's interesting that you, not, you don't even think about that you could go to someone to, that can teach you skills that we, we really think should be innate, right? right. Happiness. Like, I don't know what happiness is. I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. things that make me feel good and it makes me smile and I'm happy. But yeah. that sustainability, though, uh, I think that's where the, the, the myth or the ambiguity lies. So how exactly do you go about teaching mindfulness? And I know people are kind of throwing around mindfulness a lot <laughs> and you know, awareness. Um, but, you know, when it's time to really sit in the mirror one-on-one with yourself, like truly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, it's something <laughs> when you really want to be vulnerable with yourself and say, look, <laughs> you know, this is who you are. So how do you go about teaching that? Yeah. So with my school, it's, it's a meditation and mindfulness instructor course. However, the instructor is not really what you have to become. It really is a self-discovery course. The instructor may appear or may not appear when you complete the course because that's not really why you're doing it. So how I teach like the meditation and mindfulness is it is a series of daily to weekly questions with, to self-reflect, self-discover, and, of course, we take gentle steps because some of it is really digging deep into your psyche because really the wisdom is all there. All my school is doing and all I'm doing is removing the noise and removing the obstacles so you can see clearly what's already there. The beauty and the wisdom is there. Sometimes we just got to remove some things. 
because we, we're talking a little bit about happiness, right? You know, that's one of the questions you can ask anybody is how do they define happiness? And some people will come out with a, just a quick generic answer, but some people will have to give it some thought because they've never really thought about it. They've never really defined it. So if you don't really define it for yourself or you don't really know, how do you know when you're happy? How do you know when you're truly happy? Mm. If you've never really broken it down. So these are the questions that are in line with the mindfulness exercises that I give my students. And it's a daily exercise they get. Some of those exercises are going to be more deeper than others. Some are going to be light. But in that, you have these light bulb or aha moments, you know, like a question like, what gives you joy? Right? What gives you joy? Sometimes we don't think about that. But when we think about it, it sits in there, sometimes like a splinter in our mind. But then we have that, aha, yeah, this is joy. Now, once we gather and we understand what we're about, now we can get an alignment in our life with what we're doing or what we want to do or how we want to live it. Because now we finally have re- we've really been able to look in the mirror and see who we are and discover these things. So that's that's really what I teach is these mindfulness exercises that you can integrate in your day, and then they're built on questions, and those questions are really questions most people have never been asked before that are all just self-discovery, self-reflection, because the greatest journey we should take, and this is, you probably have heard this before, is within. That is the ultimate greatest journey we can take, because like I said, everything we have, we will lose at some point, right? And so the greatest journey we have, it's all about, man, are you happy? And, of course, are you really getting the best human experience? We want to experience everything, happiness, sad, joy, it's all in there. But are you content with who this person is or not? And if you're not, let's do something about it. Oh, that's powerful. That, that's really powerful. So there are people out there, and I'm going to include myself in this category, <laughs> because uh-huh. one of the discoveries I definitely have made within myself, and, you know, I recently turned 40, and okay. just, you know, as you mature, you just really start kind of being honest about who you mm-hmm. are, right, and being comfortable right with who you are and not so much worrying about on the outside, right? What I've noticed is in that process, I am a person who is an achiever, right? So I I have to get it right. (laughs) And it bothers me if I don't get it right. And that really has nothing to do – it used to be on the, you know, the perception for people on the outside. But now I started realizing, well, you know, competent, being competent, that's just something for me because if I'm competent, then I'm able to help others, right? Right, right. So one of the things that I struggle with at times is meditating (laughs) on on my Mm -hmm. own. And it's just kind of like I just can't seem to get it right. Although I've been told, well, there's no getting it right, <laughs> right? It's not like that's, a, you know, you're right. 100 because you meditated, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. there's no such right. thing. I've been told that if you can meditate for 30 minutes or 10 minutes or five minutes, it just whatever works for you. So 
But I just feel like sometimes maybe it's just a block there that I can't quiet <laughs> my mind enough. <laughs> so what, right. what do you say to that a person like me? Or any, if there, you know, are, is a listener out there who's probably laughing along with me, uh, you know, thinking, yep, I can, I can, you know, attest to that. So what do you say to that person? How you yeah, so, yeah, so, you know, you think about how you can integrate it in your life, right? Because even, you know, even something that may be very good for us, you know, our body will resist, right? It will resist it. Even if we think it's going to be healthy for us, it's just like, uh, no, I don't, we don't do that. So I start, people who, you know, whether they do tea or they make coffee, you know, people who have like a Keurig or an espresso, it's always easy because I'm like, when you put the Keurig cup into the Keurig, breathe. When you push the button, just take a moment to show gratitude for all the, you know, you think about Keurig, and I'm not going to go into too far this, just coffee. I'm going to use coffee as an example. Do you drink coffee? Occasionally. Okay, occasionally. I'm, so more, of a tea dr- I'm more of a tea drinker. <laughs> okay, we can even use tea, tea or coffee. You can, whatever. Now for the listeners, you can put anything you want into it. But when you think about all the things that go into getting that tea or coffee to your lips, there's a lot of people. Coffee, they pick the fruit, roast the bean carry it down probably some mountain or something like that. Some guy or woman's carrying it on a donkey. Then it gets flown. All these things to give you a cup, right? So when you first start meditating, if you feel like you think too much, you think about that process. Whatever it may be, someone had to build the cure egg, someone had to process, all these different things, you think about that. And you just breathe, and you just show gratitude, and that takes anywhere from thirty seconds, right? And you start there. Then your body starts when you start when you eat. You know, you you take a moment, right, to think about all the things that happen to get you the vegetables or meat or whatever you're eating. You start that habit up. Just twenty seconds, thirty seconds. Then you build upon that. You don't want to jump into trying 10 minutes or one minute because that just doesn't work for some people. So you baby steps and you give your mind something to process. That's how I start people. The silence, the silence off the bat for some people, that's just too much. 30 seconds could be too much. So you give their mind something to think about. Because originally what people don't understand, meditation originally started as a thinking activity. So let's say you had something that you were struggling with mentally, you would go meditate on it. And that meditation, you would start to look at it from all sides, right? Look at the logic on it, and then you would come up with an answer. That's how you made decisions. It got into the Western world that it was more about silence, but it was actually a thinking activity, meditation, that's how it started. Thank you so much for helping me understand that. But I am working on meditating. I mean, of course, I'm a, a person who is, you know, very grateful and very gracious. Mm-hmm. I, I express gratitude um, very often, and every chance I get, I make sure that I am telling people thank you, just to yeah. let them know, you know how much I appreciate them. Well, I have one more question. 
and it kind of doesn't really have anything to do (laughs) with what we've been talking about. (laughs) The conversation has been really, really awesome. I really appreciate you. What's one book that changed your life once you read it? Mm, One book that changed my life. That is powerful. You know, I would say uh, it was the art of living. It is a old book that was given to me by my mentor, uh, and it really breaks down a lot of what we've been talking about, just a lot of self-discovery. Uh, one of the chapters, which I really like, was called Activate Your Thunder. And it was really letting go of things we've been talking about, ego, pride, cultivating your happiness. It, 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 it brought out... Uh, the thought of you're a gardener, right? You have to tend to your garden, so you have to cultivate cultivate your happiness, and that's how you can truly be happy, and you have to continue to work on it as things around you may uh, move and be in different directions, such as now we're, we're dealing with COVID, right? So it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you just take it in and hopefully you don't become sad, but you adjust mm-hmm. and change and flow with it, and you remember that, it will pass. It will pass. Wow. Wow. Well, Jacques-Pierre, thank you so much for your time. This was really awesome. Can you do me a favor? Can you take the time to let everyone know how they can reach you if they're interested in learning more about the bond tradition or taking one of your meditation classes? Yes, absolutely. Just you know, send me an email at monk at madeforjoy.life. So that's monk at madeforjoy.life. And if you look on Instagram or Facebook, my handle is roguezenmonk. That's how you'll find me, find many of my meditations and many of my uh, positive affirmations that I give to different people as well. But uh, yeah, monk at madeforjoy.life and rogue and monk that's how you find me wonderful any last words of encouragement for the listeners as they strive for more yeah the the biggest thing is that i can tell people that show gratitude right when you wake up and look at your day as a beautiful start it doesn't matter how you woke up where you woke up not everyone made it and you did so you have another opportunity to do whatever you want. So that would be my message to people. Well, thank you so much. I wish you nothing but blessings and abundance in your future. Please take care. Thank you so much. This was great. I appreciate you. If you are enjoying this podcast, please leave me a review on iTunes or Google or any of your favorite podcast players like share, tell someone about Strive for More podcast. I really appreciate you sharing this journey with me and listening to each and every episode. I cannot thank you enough. Continue to strive for more and live your best life now. See you in the next episode.